0: I grew up in the church, and from a young age, I was taught about God and Jesus. I knew that Jesus loved me, that he cared for me, and protected me. I mean, my childhood understanding of Jesus is probably best depicted by that story of Jesus welcoming the little children, a sort of modernized version that you'll see here um, under our table. But as I grew older, I began to sense that there was maybe more to Jesus than I had previously imagined. Jesus, I discovered, was interested in what I was doing. Jesus was interested in who I was becoming. The same Jesus who welcomed the little children talked about commitment About service and sacrifice. And to be honest, I wasn't so sure about that. Today we reach the midpoint of the Gospel of Mark. I mean, it's well timed, right? We are moving into the season of Lent. But in the Gospel of Mark, it's sort of a hinge passage a crucial moment in the unfolding of Jesus' identity and purpose. Up till now, the road with the disciples has been relatively easy. I mean, it's kind of like one of those uh, youth trips, youth church trips, right? Um, Lots of fun, lots of excitement. God's power has been at work in Jesus' ministry. Jesus has been performing miracles, driving out demons, healing all sorts of people, and his fame has just been growing and growing. He keeps on having to tell people, don't tell anyone about this. Well, taking a break from this ministry around Galilee, Jesus heads to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, to the north, where he checks in with his disciples. He asks them what other people are saying about him. No Facebook back then, you had to actually ask people, talk to them. And then he asks them what they think of him. Of course, this is where Peter famously chimes in, You are the Messiah. This is a climactic moment. I mean, the disciples, not always that swift, seem to be getting it. But when Jesus starts teaching them what this messiahship will involve, suffering and rejection, death and resurrection, his words get this blank stare. Suffering doesn't square with the power that they've seen at work in Jesus. Rejection doesn't fit their expectations of any political leader, any messiah. The Messiah was supposed to scare away the Romans, restore the Davidic monarchy, usher in a new era of peace and prosperity, and, well, for close associates, maybe throw in a high government position or a lucrative fishing contract. But this aspiring reformer that they think they've hitched their wagon to now sounds like a wild doomsday prophet. And so Peter takes Jesus aside and tries to talk some sense to him. Jesus flat out rejects him. Despite getting full marks for that earlier confessional statement, you are the Messiah, Peter gets an F for understanding what Messiah actually means. Think about that next time you recite the Apostles' Creed. I mean, you can get the words right, but do you understand what this means? Jesus knows that there's no glory without suffering. Jesus knows that following God's purposes will lead you into conflict with others. Jesus knows that there is only one way to defeat sin, death, and the devil— Jesus knows that the road ahead will be marked by suffering, both for him and for all who would follow after him. And so, at Caesarea Philippi, he gives his disciples an opportunity to reconsider their commitment. Whoever, whoever, and he's talking to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. And follow me. To follow, of course, means not running out ahead. Blazing your own path means letting Jesus lead. To take up a cross doesn't mean enduring that painful affliction that you're carrying in your body, but voluntarily taking on costly redemptive work. To deny yourself means to give up a preoccupation with self in order to discover a truer self in Christ. Heavy words. That invitation to follow that was first extended to Peter and the other disciples by a sunny sea is now redefined in the shadow of a cross. Right? Jesus Is under the shadow of a cross. Those children are under the shadow of a cross. As a young person, I began to see that the Jesus who loved me also was looking for something from me something that I wasn't sure I wanted to give. So, what do you think? Is Jesus asking too much? The truth is, and I've gotten older, I've seen more, is that any ambitious pursuit will ask for a wholehearted commitment. I mean, just think of it. You want to be a professional athlete? Well, you're not going to be able to just eat whatever you want when it comes to supper time. Tom Brady, one of the greatest football players to ever live, rarely drinks alcohol or has any type of dessert. He doesn't drink coffee or tea, but sometimes will drink a cup of bone broth. Yummy bone broth. How about establishing your own business? Hey, like wouldn't you want to be your, uh, you know, uh, an entrepreneur, have your own shop downtown? Well, one survey from The New York Enterprise Report found that small business owners work twice as much as regular employees. Twice as much. Want to be a business owner? You'll need to sacrifice your leisure time. But then how about following Jesus? I mean, is it just sitting on his knee like I imagined as a child? No, it's under the cross. You'll need to deny self. Make his work your priority. Submit to the Lord's direction. Jesus is telling his disciples that following him is a serious commitment. He's giving them this second moment to reconsider. Whoever wants to be a disciple... You signed up, but, you know, the journey's heading up a steep road. Are you sure? Jesus tells his disciples that following him is a real commitment. But he goes on to t- promise them that it's also worthwhile. And we sometimes overlook these words, but when he talks about suffering, rejection, and death, he also mentions resurrection. After three days, he will rise again. And as for those followers, he promises that his disciples who lose themselves in his service will discover true life. Jesus says he has insight into who we are and what will actually fulfill us, that a lot of the things we chase after won't bring us what we're looking for. But following Him? Well, that promises to be different. At our last Alpha event this past Tuesday, and if you haven't done Alpha, you should try this new series. We had a great time. Lots of people, and it was fun doing it in a public space. But at our last Alpha event this past Tuesday, our video introduced us to a man named Scott Harrison. After ditching his Christian faith at 18 years of age, Harrison had, in his words, been working at selfishness for 10 years. Um, He was a nightclub promoter. He sold $350 of bottle three hundred and fifty dollar bottle of bottles of vodka, he promoted those clubs and fashion events and he hung out with all the beautiful people in New York City. He should have been happy. But instead he was confronted with how arrogant and selfish he had become. Realizing that he was spiritually bankrupt, Harrison began reading The Pursuit of God by A. W. Tozer, and he began praying. He said he was drinking heavily and partying all night, but praying during the day. It wasn't until six months later, though, that he decided to make an abrupt change. He decided to sell all his possessions and leave New York and dedicate a year of his life in service to God and the poor. He went as a photojournalist on a mercy ship A ship that took him to Liberia where they didn't have the freedom and comforts that we enjoy in North America. Where he faced a poverty and human suffering that he just couldn't have even imagined. No public electricity, no running water, no sewage, no mail. Families had to walk miles to collect water and dirty water at that from ponds and puddles this had a profound impact on him having seen these privations when he came back to New York he turned his full attention to the global water crisis and established a small charity called Charity Water 13 years later with the help of maybe a million supporters worldwide This charity has funded over 51,000 water projects in 28 countries. Now, I can't imagine, I imagine he was working hard in those nightclubs, but I can imagine he was working even harder with this charity. Do you think that he's missing anything from that earlier life? that life that is, in his own words, was devoted to self. He lived it to the extreme and he found that in the end it was empty, an illusion. And then he discovered something real. How about that for dying? Taking up your cross. Theologian John Webster notes that act of death on behalf of Jesus' followers is, in fact, the abandonment of what has already been disqualified, judged, and set aside by the call of Jesus to new life. What the disciple leaves and loses is not the life-giving order of created existence, but all its disorder. Like the caterpillar dying to a lower type of existence, The follower of Jesus is called to leave what is inferior to discover what is superior. And for those who have spread their wings, there really is no looking back. May we find this to be true in our lives as well. Amen.